Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Chris Vosters. Mitts were dropped in New York City. We take you through all the highlight-worthy moments from the past weekend. And our guest for this week is none other than Patrick Kane. Showtime! Kaylee sits down with Kaner to discuss everyone's second favorite Kane, PK3, Cutie, and much more. We've got a stack show for you today on the podcast, presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. And welcome in. Another episode of Blackhawks Insider is underway. I'm joined by my esteemed co-hosts, Kaylee Chelios, Colby Cohen, Quite a road trip for the Blackhawks in the New York groove and uh, under the lights of Madison Square Garden. And then the following night at brand new UBS Arena on Long Island, I don't know, uh, holiday cheer, hockey style, what would you guys call it? A lot of fighting over the weekend, don't you think, Kaylee? For two teams that don't have a whole lot between each other with the exception of Jujar Kara and Jacob Truba, yes, I thought... It made for some exciting hockey and the New York game. We were we were talking about it the other night, just so many different angles and storylines and excitement. One of the best games from start to finish the Hawks have played. But, yeah, I love to see Jonathan Taze, the captain, drop the mitts any time. And he, he did a great job sticking up for his teammate, got kicked out uh, towards the second period, didn't see a whole lot of him in the third. And um, I thought the team played really well. It was an exciting game. Yeah, Colby, you understand hockey culture, and uh, I, I was just wondering what your take on, on the fighting was, if you expected any of it, um, you know, to, to what extent it was kind of within the hockey honor code of, of sticking up for teammates and, and uh, not forgetting previous entanglements. Yeah, I mean... I wasn't really sure just because it's it's been a year. These are East and Western Conference teams. They don't really see each other that often during the season. Um, but one of my favorite things that we got to witness on this New York trip so far was Jujar Kara calling his own number and, and dropping the gloves with Jacob Truba. Now, I think that's one of my favorite things and, and is a little bit of a lost art in hockey is – you know, you take a hit that you don't like and you get up from it um, and you go and you track the guy down who, who laid that hit on you and you call your own number. You drop your gloves and, and you fight and, you know, that's that's part of the game of hockey. And, and look, I think, you know, we never want to see players injured ever. It doesn't matter who the player is or what the circumstance is, but... I also believe that fighting uh, is a little bit of a way for players to police each other and to put the onus on each other to make sure that if you are going to act in, in such a manner on the ice, you're going to have to answer for your, so to speak, crimes. And, and that's kind of what I mean by policing each other. So it was great to see Jonathan Taves come flying in there and, and his gloves were off, Murph's gloves were off. Even Patrick Kane had, had grabbed somebody at that moment of that Ranger game. But really, for me, my favorite part of it was when Jujar Kara went and dropped his gloves and, and fought Jacob Truba uh, himself. Didn't like the hit. Truba threw on him earlier in the game. Didn't like the hit. He threw on Dickinson, I, if I remember correctly. Kaylee, you can, you can correct me or not, but I think they were on the same shift. 
Um, and, and I really appreciated that because I, I think now with hockey, every time you see a big hit, um, you know, clean, not clean, whatever the circumstance is, you see somebody coming in to throw their gloves off and, and, you know, get involved. So, you know, just getting to see a guy do it for himself and, and getting to call his own number, uh, I, I liked that, and I, and I really appreciated seeing that happen for Jujar. Yeah, I think ultimately the the question for me was, like, yes, the, the check didn't have a penalty on the call. Maybe it was a clean hit by definition for sure, but, you know, that's another debate, whether or not player safety needs to make changes to ensure that hits like that don't happen. But to your point, Colby, I agree. I think Jujar Kara standing up for himself, but also looking back at some of the hits Jacob Truba in particular has has uh, made in his career, going back to the playoffs last year on Sidney Crosby, it changed the entire series. You know, if you have somebody defending like Jonathan Taze was for Jujar Kara, I, I don't know that Jacob Truba necessarily will make that hit down the road if he knows what's coming to him. And that's why certain players like a Tom Wilson or a Ryan Reeves who was in New York are so valuable at times, especially in the postseason. So, Chris, like, I, I don't know what you thought. You were there. You, you felt the energy of MSG. But I, I think that type of support and defending yourself, defending your teammate uh, is really important, whether or not the, the check was legal or not. It, it warranted a response like that. Yeah, Patrick Sharp and I were having a conversation about that entire game at Madison Square Garden. And, and look, it's an 82-game schedule. A at some point, the games blur together a little bit. But there's always five to ten games maybe that, that stand out at the end of the season when, when you look back on things. And that game in Madison Square Garden, I think, will definitely be one of them for, for a lot of reasons. You know, I, I saw a bump early in the first period between Jujar Kara and Jacob Truba. And I wondered, I, I, is, is that going to be it? And then sure enough, a few minutes after that on a different part of the ice, they, they ultimately settled their dispute from nearly exactly one season ago. And then there was a follow-up, not involving Jujar Kara, but in the following game against the New York Islanders, Reese Johnson dropped the gloves against Islanders checking center Casey Sezikis. Remember, Sezikis was the guy that ran into Alex Stalock in the first meeting of the season between the Blackhawks and the Islanders. And again... Knowing what little I know about personalities in the league, I don't think Casey Sezikis is a guy who's going to take a run at a goalie, but there's a message that needed to be sent there, and Reese Johnson was the guy that, that stepped up and made sure that that matter was resolved on the Blackhawks' terms. In, in doing research about the, the team's history, the Blackhawks, that is, you know, when you read about the 2010 Stanley Cup run in particular, you read a lot about Chris Pronger for the for the Philadelphia Flyers who emerged in that Stanley Cup final series as a true Blackhawks villain. I mean, the fans hated him, booed him relentlessly. I think Jacob Truba has entered that territory, uh, the captain for the New York Rangers. And remember, the Rangers are coming to the United Center on December 18th, not that long from now. It's going to be a Friday night, and I, I think... Truba is going to get treated like the Grinch who stole Christmas, and, and I, I think uh, Blackhawks fans are, are going to let him know that, uh, that they've taken note of his actions as of late. What about you guys? You guys think any – is there any kind of villainry that, that comes to mind? Am I overstating this year about Jacob Truba being a, 
kind of like a Grinch type figure. Colby, what do you think? Well, I think it's good historical context. I think with Pronger, he was a Hall of Fame player, and I think Pronger was booed in a lot of buildings. Um, <laughs> I just remember when he left Edmonton to go to Anaheim, he, he had to go back to Edmonton and needed security, a literal security detail when he came back to Edmonton. So um, I, it, is, it is definitely a, a, some good historical context. I do think Jacob Truba uh, will get some of that type of treatment um, you know, from the United Center fans. And, you know, ultimately, I think a lot of the scores were settled, though, last night. I really do. And, or excuse me, in the New York Ranger game, I think Truba fought twice. Um, I also think the New York Rangers are going through a, a really horrible period in time for their team. And I think as the captain, he's looking to get his team going uh, any which way possible. But, you know, again, I, I, I just like the fact that Jujar got his redemption on him. You know, fast forward 24 hours, Casey Zizekas had to answer for, as I said, his crime on Alex Stalock. And, and look, I, I played against Casey Zizekas uh, quite a bit, actually, early in my pro career, him being in Bridgeport uh, in the minors, you know, for the Islanders and, and us being right up the road in, in Providence, Rhode Island with the Bruins. And, and he's a hard-nosed player, Casey. He's been playing that way since he's, you know, in the World Juniors when he's 18 or 19 years old. He's gotten himself into trouble in his career for certain questionable hits. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think Sezikis is an honest player, and, and the game happens really fast. So there are times when something happens, like the Staylock play, that, uh, you know, look, I, I don't think his ultimate goal is let me, let me run Staylock over and, and put him out for half of the season. His ultimate goal is I'm on the fourth line. Um, we've got a new head coach, and I need to take the puck hard to the net and make something happen for my team here. And I think that's what happens a lot of times in hockey. I think you're, you're looking to make a play. Things are happening so quick. And then, you know, a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, and it can just go horribly wrong. Um, so I, I just think that in general with a lot of these hits, I think that the margin is, is so small. The timing is so fast. Um, and I just think that, you know, the game keeps getting faster and faster and faster. And, and, it's, it's just nearly impossible to remove these types of moments because guys are skating 23, 24, even maybe 25 miles an hour out on the ice. That, that's fast. You wouldn't want to get into a collision at 23 miles an hour in a car, uh, you know, let, a, no. let alone a person-on-person -person collision. Kaylee, go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of things that happen fast, Luke yeah. uh, Richardson taking a, a puck off the dome by <laughs> Jack Johnson. Yeah. The, I mean, that was one of the hardest ones I've ever seen. And it ever almost seen. happened twice, like in back-to-back -back shifts. I've never seen a coach take a puck that hard to the head and uh, remain on the bench for the rest of the game after that. So kudos to the MVP, maybe, of that <laughs> game. Luke Richardson, no helmet. And a lot of stitches after, <laughs> and Gapper, I guess, Mike Gapsby, the team medical trainer, for stitching him up and getting the glasses ready so he can see what was going on there. <laughs> but that was well, hard. Well, how about the, the trajectory of the puck? It hits the side of his head. Mm -hmm. And I think Luke <laughs> said he could see Jack Johnson so close to the boards that he just assumed that he's okay because that angle would be kind of difficult um, to, to hit the coach from where Jack was out on the ice. So he looks away. 
kind of makes this big target on the side of his head. And the puck hits his head, and then it goes up in the air like 20 feet. So far. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> Luke must just have an absolute steel head, first I of all. I thought concussion um, protocol. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching Luke play for the Flyers when I was a little kid and remember explicitly how tough he was. I mean, Luke dropped the gloves quite a bit as a player, he used to stick up for his teammates all the time. Um, you know, and, and I have this vivid memory of that with Luke, you know, especially watching defensemen when I was a kid, you know, on that team. But my favorite part of it probably <laughs> was Gapper, you know, Mike Gapsky's dabbing the blood off of the side of his head. And Luke is like telling guys what lines going out and like, you know, just completely unfazed by it. Like, yeah, yeah, you're up, Taves, your line. And, like, Gapper's trying to, like, get the gash on the side of his head going. Um, and then he comes back to the bench, Chris. And, you know, Don Draper 2.0's hair still looks great. And, you know, no, no big deal. I was telling Kaylee in the studio, um, I got a puck off the, the head one time. And they wanted to shave my head to put stitches in. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not... Like, I'm not allowing you to shave my head, so you guys need to figure out a different scenario here. Like, give me staples or glue me up, and we'll figure it out later. But, like, no chance you're shaving my head. I'm kind of disappointed. The hair's got to be pristine. Well, it never is. I mean, trust me, my hair is never pristine. Let's call a spade a spade. But I was not going for the shaved head. It was uh, it, that, uh, one of the ma- amazing moments maybe all season, but especially in that game at Madison Square Garden. Luke Richardson did have to leave the bench temporarily in the first period. He had some stitches put in his head and was right back out there before the first period ended. And uh, in the 37-year career of Blackhawks athletic trainer Mike Gapsky, I think that was a first for him, having to tend to a coach in-game on the bench and then send the coach back to the locker room for, for further medical attention. So, by the way, Colby, good Don Draper reference as uh, we were in Midtown for that game not far from, from Madison Avenue. So, bravo. Well, I mean, Luke is, Luke is a stud. I mean, he sure. always has, like, the black <laughs> shirt going uh, with, like, the dark colored suit, the green or the black, you know. And, like, I feel like it's, like, right up Don Draper's alley sometimes. And then he throws in some, like, retro ties and I, I do remember, like, the wardrobe on that show. Every now and again, like, Don Draper would be wearing something that was set way back that's, like, back in style kind of now, whether it was, like, a floral pattern or a skinny flat bottom tie, knit tie, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like Luke definitely gives off some of those, those Don Draper vibes. He talks, like, kind of lower with his voice, and he's, like, so articulate like Don Draper was in the show, so... I have no idea who Don indeed. Draper is, but I agree. <laughs> a, a mad Men, Kaylee. Uh, certainly uh, encourage okay. you to check it out. Great uh, Emmy Award winning. John Hamm, who's a big hockey. He's a big hockey fan, too. Like oh, big, that's who that yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. I know who that is. I yeah, well-known hockey fan. Regrettably a St. Louis Blues fan, but uh, maybe, <laughs> we'll, have no to, maybe we'll have to try to get him on the show ahead of a St. Louis Blues matchup. We'll see, see what strings we can pull there for sure. Producer Trevor Bray, you're on the clock. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of guests, we've got, a, we've got a great guest for you today. It's, it's none other than Patrick Kane, who had another milestone game at the Garden in New York. 
where he tallied three points in the contest and reached 1,200 for his career. Uh, the 50th skater in NHL history to reach 1,200 career points. He did it in 1,130 games, so over a point-per-game career average for the guy they call Showtime for many, many reasons. Kaylee, you had a one-on-one sit-down with Patrick Kane, and, and as we segue into that now, what, uh, what sort of moments of, of your conversation with Patrick jump out to you upon recollection? We got into some of the the hockey talk, but for me, um, you know, his son just turned two. They have birthdays a week apart, so we got all into PK3, what he's dancing to, what he's up to, his style. (laughs) We talked about his style evolution from Abercrombie, his rookie season, all the way to Tom Ford and YSL on the red carpet. So we kind of went all over the map, but it was great to sit down and, and get to know him and PK3, Amanda, the whole family a little bit better. It was a lot of fun, and I think you're going to like it. And he's been in the league so long, Kaylee, that he came in when Amber Crombie and Fitch was in style, and he's still in the league when Amber Crombie and Fitch has come <laughs> back, back in vogue. It's back. Yes, yes. Oh, the comeback Abercrombie's made. I I don't know if he's aware of that because he mentioned Amanda does a lot of the styling, but Abercrombie made a comeback back then. It was it was pretty cool though. So it's we go all all over the map, but that was definitely a great throwback moment for those of us who were born during that time when Abercrombie was the rave. <laughs> let me uh, let me pop my collar real quick. Uh, it's a two part <laughs> interview. <laughs> it's a two part interview, by the way. Uh, between Kaylee and Patrick. And in the middle, we will welcome Joe Brand back onto Blackhawks Insider Podcast for our betting segment called Line Changes. Kaylee will chaperone that as well. So part one of Kaylee with Patrick Kane begins now. Enjoy. Have you taught um, PK3 the Kaner shuffle? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got his own dance moves. He's, he's got better dance moves than Does he? Does he? So, uh, Oh yeah, he's got he's got a few songs he listens to. Um, if you put on a different song, he doesn't like it. But he's got like three or four that he really enjoys, and uh, he just um, he likes to dance. And uh, he's got some pretty good moves. Are they nursery rhymes or like no. you start them on real music? No, they're like uh, I think it's like Amanda's like workout playlist or something. So not like <laughs> super appropriate songs, but he seems to enjoy. Get them. the job he done. He gets beat. right into yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember my dad said he uh, he had three sisters growing up, okay. and he was in ballet because no, his parents I, made him do some really? ballet there. <laughs> you have three sisters. I'll have to hold that and <laughs> We've seen you dancing. Did you ever do any dance or funny no. things growing up with three sisters? No, oh, but they were in dance. They uh, <clears throat> they did a lot of, like, hip-hop and ballet and, um, you know, a lot of that stuff. So they were good at it. I would go and watch their, uh, their recitals and stuff, but... Um, they were uh, they were pretty good, but they never really taught me much. So <laughs> it's all you. Explains how I came came up with a cane or shuffle. You know, that's my best move. It's pretty embarrassing. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Everyone loved it. <laughs> Your sisters were also in the booth, which was pretty cool. Made their TV debut, all three of them, with Chris Foster's in Buffalo. Yeah. Whole family there. It's always a fun trip for yeah. you, I'm sure. What did they say to you about being on TV for the first time and getting to join you kind of on the broadcast? So yeah, it was it was a little unfortunate because there was something with the cameras where uh, I wasn't able to uh, to stick around for the interview because the intermission's like short for us. But so I didn't get to uh, get interviewed by them. But uh, it would have been that would have been fun. It was nice to see them go up in the uh, the booth after and 
Just, um, it's funny when, uh, you know, you get in front of the camera a little bit, you could tell they were a little nervous at first, but they got their stories out and uh, all had their little different story about me and, and them together. So it was, uh, it was cool to see them do that. It's nice when you can get the whole family involved. Your sister's having yeah. a baby, so you're yep. going to have a nephew coming up pretty soon. Yep. What's it been like now? Your son just turned two, being a dad, and, and life for you right now. Yeah, it's, um, it's great. You know, excited for her. She's due in uh, late February, early March, so um, it'll be fun to, uh, you know, my dad and mom say I'm going to be an uncle for the first time, but Amanda's got uh, some uh, nephews and nieces as well, but it'll be fun to uh, have one of my sisters have a kid, and uh, it's um, pretty, pretty crazy how life comes at you fast. Um, you know, you look back and just think of, you know, it seems like yesterday we were just, you know, laying on the couch, fighting over the remote, getting ready for school, <laughs> showing up late. They're mad at me because we show up late. So it's just, it's crazy <laughs> how it goes by fast. But um, it's, uh, it's always fun when I get to see them, you know. Obviously, they're all in Buffalo, so um, nice any chance we get to spend some time together. I would imagine you didn't win a whole lot of arguments against three girls growing up. Yeah, or maybe. it was tough. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, there was times where I, I might have had to play like dolls or, or house with them in order for them to play like <laughs> hockey or some other sports with me. But uh, um, yeah, it seemed like there was a lot of arguments over, you know, whose turn it was for the remote. <laughs> and then it got into hiding the remote and all this, all this sort of stuff. That's just one part of it. But uh, it was, uh, no, it was a good way to grow up. I mean, obviously. People sometimes ask if I wish I had a brother. You know, I don't. I, I'm happy with the way our family is, and uh, I have three younger sisters. My youngest is, um, you know, sort of like me. She's very competitive, athletic, and uh, we had some fun in the backyard, uh, just kind of growing up and playing like basketball against each other and, and different things like that. So it was a good way to grow up. That's awesome. And now you have a son, so yeah. you did get uh, a little more testosterone in your life, which is <laughs> nice. Yeah. And he's at a very fun age, too. I have two kids yeah. under two. What's, what does he do right now that's making you laugh? And what's, he's got to be doing a lot more than... Yeah. Um, you know, he kind of goes through these, uh, these phases where he likes to imitate what you're doing. So if I'm, like, you know, crossing my arms and leaned up against the wall, he'll come over and just do that while in a big <laughs> conversation with Amanda or something like that. But... Um, he's getting a little bit more into uh, like sports you know he likes to play hockey with the mini sticks at home and basketball as well um, but it's just kind of it's fun to be around him all day you know he just there's so many different things he loves to do the construction trucks reading books um, going outside so he's uh, he's a handful but um, it's uh, there's no better life for sure yeah, it's a great age and it's tough what are um, you and Amanda's kind of parenting tactics like what are your strengths and weaknesses yeah. are you the calming presence or how do you approach some of the tantrums yeah. they only um, eat spaghetti pretty soon and yeah. it's frustrating yeah I think she's um, she probably does like 90% of the work and then I do like 10% <laughs> but um, she's actually a great mom she does um, you know a lot of research and uh, she's she's amazing with them they're like best friends it's fun to see them together um, you know, laughing and, and joking around, and then, you know, two seconds later, they could be battling too. But <laughs> so I try to step in there and be a little bit of the calming presence. But, um, you know, also at the same time, you know I, know, I know the schedule's busy and I'm not, you know, home all the time. So when I'm home, just try to be present, be there, and uh, hang out with them as much as possible, do whatever he wants to do.
Yeah, dad's always the best when they're not around a lot and then they show oh, yeah. up and it's a tough feeling for mom yeah, sometimes. Uh, but you guys have a birthday a week apart. Yeah. So exciting. A couple of Libras. How was the <laughs> birthday bash? You were on the road this year on the father's trip for it, but how did you celebrate when you got home? Um, we didn't do much for me, but um, <laughs> so he was, uh, he's November 12th, I'm November 19th. And uh, we just had a, a second birthday party for him, which is like our families and stuff. So it was fun to see him just like roaming around and just doing whatever he wanted to do, you know, and not mm -hmm. like being shy or sitting back or anything like that. Just kind of doing whatever he wanted and enjoying it. So uh, I think he had a good time, which was most important. I've seen you last week bring him onto the bench, yeah. give him a kiss, yeah. hold him on the bench. And... You know, as a child of somebody whose dad played and I got to be a part of being in locker rooms mm -hmm. and growing up in that lifestyle, you don't really appreciate it or think of right. it as unique until you're older. For you, have there been any pinch me moments as a dad and somebody who grew up idolizing hockey to share those little moments with him in and around the dressing room? Um, yeah, I think uh, just being able to do that now, right? Like I wasn't able to do that as much. Uh, you know, as when he was younger, now he's able to come to, you know, warm ups in the games and uh, um, just be there and just uh, it's fun looking through the glass and seeing his little head there and like um, just kind of taking it all in. So it's fun to bring him down to the locker room. I think it was fun the other day. He was, I think we had a one o'clock game, so he takes his nap up to like two or two thirty and. Uh, just seeing him show up there for the third period and then like the shift after we scored and tied up mm -hmm. the game. So it's, it's fun to just look in and see, see him like, you know, celebrating or clapping up in the crowd. So um, it's always cool to see him at the games for sure. How has your game day routine changed at all since becoming a dad? Just, do you still um, get your pregame nap? Yeah, 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 for sure. Can't mess with the pregame nap, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, so, Amanda. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, game days are tough because you don't see him as much. I'll try to wake up a little bit earlier in the morning and uh, hopefully get to see him before he goes down for his nap. And then I got to take my nap, so I'll hang out with a little bit, hang out with him a little bit when I wake up. And then um, those uh, like 7:30 games, he probably wouldn't come to because they're a little late with his bedtime. Yeah. But um, if there's like a six o'clock game, he can come to warm ups. If there's an earlier game than that, then he can come to the game. So it's. Um, you always look forward to those early games because you know he's going to show up. We're going to take a quick break from the Patrick Kane interview to bring in our betting expert for this segment called Line Change, Joe Bran. How you doing? Good, Kaylee. How are you? <laughs> great. It's great to be with you, Joe, from WGN. I love doing the pregame and postgame on Blackhawks games with you, Joe. You do a tremendous job, but we have you here to talk about some betting. So, can you talk about what you're noticing as far as the Stanley Cup landscape? What are some of the odds that we can look at in the bets for who's going to win the Cup this year? Yeah, for sure. And uh, thank you for having me on and the kind words. Always great to work with you as well, Kaylee. Great job filling in for Chris today. Um, one thing that I've been talking about with Chris each time we do line changes is this one bet I threw in at the beginning of the year, and that was for the Detroit Red Wings to make the playoffs. And I know that's kind of sacrilegious here in Chicago, but at the beginning of the year, that was a plus 280 payout to 
succeed on the Detroit Red Wings making the playoffs. That's now moved to plus 225. So if you already placed that wager at the beginning of the year, you're already with a positive payout. They're currently in the second wild card spot. I still think that they've got the capability of making the playoffs, so just something to keep an eye on. In terms of the entire Stanley Cup landscape, there hasn't been too much movement with the very heavy favorite in the Colorado Avalanche to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Uh, They started the year at plus 450 as the favorite. They're now at plus 500, so not too much movement. Few of the teams that we were talking about earlier, like the New York Rangers, who I at the time had said were the best value of the group at plus 1,800, have now moved all the way down to plus 2,200. And obviously the Rangers are off to a tough start this year. Tampa Bay Lightning kind of swaying in that same area as the Colorado Avalanche, only moving about 200 points. They went from plus 1,200 to now plus 1,400. It's the teams that no one expected to have the start that they have had at the beginning of the year that have been making the most noise. Everyone knew that Boston, New Jersey, and Dallas were going to have good teams, but I don't think anyone predicted for them to be this powerful this early. Boston's now plus 600 to win the Stanley Cup. The New Jersey Devils are at plus 1,200, and the Dallas Stars are at plus 1,800. So, If you look at those two teams in terms of New Jersey and Dallas, because I think Boston is somewhat of a safe bet. I know they've got an older team, but what they've been able to do so far this year, you can't really argue with. The New Jersey Devils, I don't want to call it a fluke. I think they're a very talented young team. However, they've got a very difficult upcoming schedule for the rest of December. So if you're looking to pounce on them right now just for a quick profit, it might not be that great of an idea because they've got the Islanders, Rangers, Dallas Stars, Philadelphia, but then Florida, Carolina, Florida, Boston, Boston, Pittsburgh coming up to finish the month of December. Now, if you go to Dallas, again, who are plus 1,800 right now to win the Stanley Cup, the rest of their schedule for the month of December, a little bit more favorable. So again, it's not in terms of betting on the Dallas Stars to win the Stanley Cup right now and waiting for that payout at the end of the year. If you're looking for a quick profit at the moment, you can try to buy in on the Dallas Stars right now because they have the Ottawa Senators coming up. Detroit Red Wings, they do have some tough opponents in Pittsburgh and Carolina and uh, Montreal and Nashville, but it's it's a much more even schedule for them coming up, so it might be a little bit more favorable to go with them. And then the only other thing that Chris and I talked about before the season had started was odds for the division to win the Stanley Cup. If you went with the Metro at plus 310, that's now moved to plus 270. Obviously, the start that the Devils have gotten off to have played a big factor in that, but you've still got Carolina, you've still got Pittsburgh, so it might not be a bad idea to go ahead and throw down some money on the Metro division winning the Stanley Cup for this upcoming year at plus 270. All right, all great information, Joe. Instead of the Stanley Cup, can we talk about individual awards right now or past the quarter mark of the season? What individual awards, what does the betting odds look like from your point of view? Well, I'm, I'm wondering if Connor McDavid is going to become the LeBron James of hockey in the terms of, okay, he's the best player in the league right now, but does that mean he's going to win the MVP every year? That's kind of the conversation we're getting to. Uh, we were talking about guys like Austin Matthews and Leon Dreisaitl before, obviously Matthews winning it the year before, but the guy that's made the quickest turn up, and obviously it's Jason Robertson because of his recent point streak and how well he's gotten off to this season. Connor McDavid actually became more of a favorite as this year has progressed. Not that big of a surprise. He went from plus 260. He's now at plus 125. So that's probably, that is still the safest bet if you're going to go and throw down money on the Hart Trophy winner. But I don't know. I would entertain the idea of Jason Robertson because, again, even though Connor McDavid's the best player in the league, does that necessarily mean he's going to win the MVP every year? 
Maybe this year it goes to Jason Robertson. Might be too early to tell. But if you are thinking, if you're a big Dallas fan or just a big Robertson fan, it'd be worth it to go ahead and throw some money down with him being at plus 500 right now. And the other thing I wanted to point out is the Vesna Trophy winner, Igor Shosturkin winning last year. He's moved from plus 340 to plus 550 over this past year. Ilya Sorokin, now the favorite at plus 350. Obviously, he's gotten off to a great start. The Islanders have gotten off to a great start. The other guys I want to keep an eye on, though, for are Linus Olmark and Connor Hellebuck. They're both at plus 480. They're tied for second right now. Olmark leads the league in save percentage. Hellebuck is tied for the league lead with three shutouts this year. They're both at plus 480. Obviously, Hellebuck won it back in 2020. So I might be able to lean more towards Hellebuck than Olmark coming up just because sometimes that goes into the decision-making a little bit more. But also you look at the teams that they're on. Uh, Olmark doing some great things with the Boston Bruins. Hellebuck helping out the Winnipeg team. But you almost wonder if those numbers are so favorable for Olmark because of how good Boston's defense is. So again, I might lean a little bit more towards Hellebuck. But again, neither of them, I think, would be a bad idea to throw some money early on right now. Joe, so many great storylines. Thank you so much for your expertise. As always, it's always fun. And let's get back to the Patrick Kane interview. So I got to spend some time with your dad on the father's trip. And, you know, one of the most devoted dads and fans of the sport. Pretty incredible. And I learned that he goes up to the glass on warm-ups every time. I never would have wanted that. (laughs) It made me so nervous. But... He goes every time you flip him a puck, you guys yeah. make eye contact. I was wondering what he does with all those pucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't get a puck every time, but Only um, sometimes. you know, usually if he's on the road, he'll ask for one just to have like a different puck with a different logo. Um, so uh, like on the father's trip, we flipped him a couple pucks, flipped Tadomi a puck as well. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it's good just to, to have him there. You know, I know that him and my mom, they love, uh, coming down to the games and supporting me and just, you know, being here and and being a fan as well. So it's good to have him here, good to have him in my life and also be able to see my kid as well. So, um, yeah, anytime they can come down to the games, they're they're always invited, always welcome to to come down and enjoy it. Your dad and Johnny's dad were kind of the OGs on the trip. They've been there forever. And Johnny's dad, Brian, actually shares a birthday with your son. That's right. So that was pretty cool. You guys all sang happy birthday to him. And especially this season, little moments like that. I mean, does it put in perspective at all? You know, your dad's thinking back to maybe the very first dad's trip. You're now Mm -hmm. 16 seasons in. And over 1,000 games played with Johnny. Like, how does that make you feel? Does it gone by fast for you? Or what does it feel like right now? Yeah. Yeah, it has. It has gone by fast. And, uh, you know, you hear that earlier in your career that, you know, a lot of the older guys tell you, well, you know, enjoy it now because it's going to go by fast and you just kind of look at them and just, you know, kind of brush it off. But it goes by fast. And, uh, um, you know, we've obviously been fortunate enough to have some great moments here with this franchise and together as well. So uh, um, it's been uh, it's been a special run. I think, um, you know, we're both hoping that we have another run left in us and uh, hopefully that can happen. But, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, everything you could ask for and more here. It's hard to imagine what you have your your sights set on right now with everything you've accomplished in the NHL as a Blackhawk. Are there any goals that you have left right now and so much um, left in your career? Yeah, it's, uh, 
I don't know if you think of like certain goals or anything, but um, just try to improve your game day to day, year to year basis. Um, I think now it's, you know, especially with turning 34, you want to play as long as you can. Um, so that's another thing, just kind of realizing the best way to, uh, to have some longevity and be able to play a long time. And, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, it'd be nice to have a, another run here and, uh, um, you know, what the city can do when uh, they get behind a good team and um, start coming out to uh, games and playoff games and enjoying that. So it'll be fun to do. Marion Hosa's jersey retirement was a pretty special night, and all of you guys got to hang out after. Uh, yeah. Everybody from those three cup yeah. wins. What's it like, those intimate moments in the locker room that you've shared throughout your career, being able to, to spend some time with them after that night? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, great to see those guys. I was telling uh, I was telling Siebes, you know, he was one of my best friends for the longest time and then all of a sudden you know he's he's getting surgery and then he's retiring and it's just like that he's gone you know it's uh it's it was uh you know it hurts a little bit when you don't have those guys around so it was fun to see them um you know i know dunks kind of moved on and, and played with edmonton last year so it was sad to see him go um but fun to see all those guys you know sharpie um jalmerson uh you know host obviously johnny oduya crawford uh, Bickle, all those guys, um, so many good memories, and uh, it seems like anytime you can get together and hang out, you know, you have a good time, have a few laughs, so it's good to see them. I like that you said young and stupid for the <laughs> 2010 Cup run, and I went back and I looked at some of the vlogs that Sharpie would take of you guys when you were just kids entering yeah. the league, oh, yeah. and I also looked at the fashion, amazing, <laughs> amazing hair, that was a time to yeah. be um in the nhl for you guys i'm just curious all dressed to the nines now like where were you shopping your rookie season and oh what God. was your go-to fit i don't know if abercrombie was still yeah. cool or not but I had some it might have been you were stuff. that young yeah. i had some abercrombie <laughs> stuff when i was coming in at 18 and um yeah they were they were all over all over me for that like pretty much right <laughs> away so i just didn't know any any better any different right i remember our first dinner and i'm showing up in like Abercrombie like t-shirt and like shorts and like all these guys have like nice jeans on a nice collar shirt and uh, yeah they gave it to me pretty good but um, <laughs> there was uh, you know we had a good group back then and uh, I think uh, it was easy to kind of like make fun of each other no one ever really took it personal but it was mm -hmm. funny when you know you'd get tripped about something the next day you'd come in and everything would be like totally different and change you'd have a new outfit new jeans whatever. <laughs> so you could tell it got to some some guys a little bit but um, yeah, all those guys were were great as far as like pranking and joking around, like Sharpie and Siebes and you know even Adam Burrish as well. Mm -hmm. He was he was one of the best at that. Yeah, Sharpie definitely gave you the most. I think watching back oh, on, yeah. <laughs> on some of the old Blackhawks oh, TV yeah. moments, but it seems like you've come a very long way since Abercrombie <laughs> on the red carpet. I've seen Tom yeah. Ford, YSL. Yeah. How has your fashion game evolved? I know you credit Amanda yeah. a lot. It's got to oh, be yeah. a tag team effort. Yeah, she does. She does a lot of, um, you know, picking out stuff for me. So that helps. <laughs> but uh, it's just like, you know, I, I like it. I'm into it, but it's like not something I really want to spend my time on or like, <laughs> worry about. So she takes care of a lot of that stuff, and even the suits. Uh, suits are easy now too, because uh, we work with a gentleman's playbook, and they have uh, like custom suits. They already have all my sizes and everything. It's just easy to pick out the suits and pick the ones you want and get them sent to you, and you kind of go from there. So. Uh, yeah, it's been good. Do you have a celebrity that you kind of 
enjoy their stat? Not really. Not really. It's fun <laughs> to see guys do different things, right? I yeah. Mean, I think it's cool how, like, the Leafs are able to kind of wear whatever they want to games and, yep. uh, you know, branch out a little bit on the fashion and not just wear a suit every night, right? So I think it'd be fun to get to that point, too. Is there a new trend that you like? I like Matthew's earring yeah. and oh, sides. Like earring? I do like yeah. the earring a lot, yes. And the side bag, it's like yeah. a... <laughs> I don't mind the bag. I'm not sure about the earring, but you know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll come around. Never say never. Yeah. Justin Bieber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only fair. I asked Johnny about The Office. Are you a fan? Do you watch? I watched it. Yeah. Okay, so I watched it a lot, and I think I caught him off guard. I asked him if he thought Pam Beasley was America's sweetheart, or if he felt she was a devil in disguise. Oh, really? Yeah, he was very caught off guard by. Yeah, I the haven't watched the guys. show in uh, in a little bit, maybe four or five years. But um, yeah, I never really got that sense that she was uh, <laughs> she was the devil in disguise. So we'll go with America's sweetheart. That's fair. Who's your favorite relationship in The Office? Um, probably, <laughs> probably Dwight and what's his what's his girl? Jim. Dwight Michael. and Jim. Oh, okay, that's fair too. Yeah. You could definitely say couple. Yeah, yeah. They might be the best couple for sure. Yeah, I'll go with that. Do you have a favorite Michael Scott quote or moment? What's uh, what's his one with uh, Wayne Gretzky? You miss uh, yeah, you miss 100%, 100 shots, shots you don't take. take Michael Wayne Scott. Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Do you eat fettuccine Alfredo before games like he did? Um, Carbo load? No, no, we're uh, <laughs> we're like on the gluten-free pasta and chicken and. A little bit of veggies in there too. So. PK3's got it made. Yeah, yeah. Is he, uh, style-wise, do you dress him? Do you have a favorite outfit? No, he likes his, uh, he likes his sweatsuits. Um, so uh, he likes being, being comfy and cozy. He's got his new Ugg boots that he, uh, he really <laughs> enjoys. He wants to wear them all the time, like, you know, around the house, outside, everything. So he must, he must like those right now. They're so comfortable. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that um, big golf fan, Tiger Woods, somebody you'd like to meet. Mm -hmm. That, that big tournament, the match between Rogers and Tom Brady, it's yeah. a charity event, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're a very competitive golfer. Who would you want to play with and who would you want to play against? Uh, I think it'd be fun to play with, uh, maybe I'd bring in Nick Schmaltz, play with him. He was, he's a pretty good golfer, played with him a lot when he was here. And uh, it'd be fun to play against Taser. And he could pick, <laughs> he could pick his teammates, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll set up a match. Maybe, you know, it'd be fun to play with Debrinkat as well, too. We always mm -hmm. had a good record as a team on the course, so maybe him as well. Um, World Cup, are you guys, I know in the past you guys have gotten really into the Olympics and yeah. done some fun stuff together. Are you guys betting, or I know USA's playing? Yeah, and I don't know if he's too confident in Canada, so no. <laughs> I don't think we're, we're hearing much from him on the World Cup, but uh, you know, the U.S. has a big game today, so hopefully they can uh, pull out a win. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Patrick. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Kaylee, once again, thank you so much. That was a great conversation with Patrick, and, and thank you for taking us through line changes with Joe as well. Let's get into sellies and chirps now, where each of us bring one topic to the panel and decide if it should be sellied or chirped. Okay, mine involves soft-serve ice cream, which uh, sometimes is found at press boxes across the National Hockey League. Not the, not the United Center, at least not on a regular basis, but we came across it at UBS Arena on Long Island when the Blackhawks played the Islanders. And 
Of course, a, a, a standard soft serve machine. You, you've got the vanilla lever, and you've got the chocolate lever, and then you've got the, the mixture of both. Now, I grew up, the, the vanilla chocolate mixture was always called swirl. It's very popular. But are we opening ourselves up to alternatives for how uh, the chocolate vanilla mixture is called from the soft serve ice cream machine? I heard it referred to, in fact, by a member of the Blackhawks front office staff, not as swirl, but as twist. Are we celebrating or chirping that? Is it swirl, no ifs, ands, or buts, or is twist also an appropriate term for soft serves vanilla chocolate combination? Your thoughts? I've only ever gotten chocolate my entire life. I've never oh. dabbled in vanilla. I've never dabbled in oh. the twist. Hey. I, I can't say that I have a preference because of that, but... I've always understood it to be, I don't know, twisty? Less, I don't know. I think twist, twisty feels better to me, but I'll, I'll celebrate. Um, actually, no, I guess I'll chirp then because it, I do see it as a twist of some sort, and I feel like I've called it a twist before. So I'm okay. going gonna, gonna, yeah, to say celebrate the twist. Okay. Well, before I can weigh in here, Chris, I'm going to need a little more. Is is the person who well, we we're are not chirping or celebrating? Is, that, <laughs> is, is this an exe- is this an executive? Because you know that might uh, depending on who it is. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I I'm with you, Chris. I I really have only heard swirl. You know, I I've, yeah. that's that's kind of you go down the the boardwalk in Ocean City at the beach and, and you stop at, you know, any of the 4,000 ice cream stands along the boardwalk, it's, it's chocolate vanilla swirl. I've really never heard twist or twisty, although it does sound fun, Kaylee, not, not going <laughs> to deny that. So, and it all really is delicious. It, it doesn't really matter to me what it's called, but I'm, I'm on your, you know, side on this one, Chris, I, I'm going to chirp because I think that, uh, the, the correct terminology would be swirl. So, wait, so Kelly, I'm. What's that? Yeah, <laughs> did yes, you I get did. The swirl. <laughs> I did, and you know, soft serve, soft serve. You know, it's it's great no matter what. But uh, listen, so have you ever tried vanilla, or or is it just? I, I mean, in my lifetime, sure. But I've gotten every kid in my family has gotten chocolate ice cream with gummy bears since the day we were born. No, no alternative. And I love just plain chocolate soft serve. I've never been a vanilla girl. Like, just not my jam. I love chocolate. What can I say? Are you a chocolate Kaylee. frosty person too? Although no, I can't I'm, not a, I'm not a frosty gal myself. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't like the frosties. Do you? Delicious. I, love, I, <laughs> I feel love like we frosty. have opposite fast food tastes. Do they have a swirl frosty at Wendy's? I don't, I don't think no. they do, do they? Cho- yeah. It's only chocolate frosty. For a reason. I, I have not eaten Wendy's food in I don't know how long, but I've definitely had a Wendy's Frosty within the last six months, no doubt. <laughs> well, I'm all about fun. I like Twisty. I like the name Twisty. I feel like it's fair, so I'm into that, but I respect that you guys are swirl guys. Um, I'm going to go with, for Sellies and Chirps this week, John Tortorella, just as broadcasters ourselves, uh, I'd be sweating if I had to ask him a question. So I'm saying, are you celebrating or chirping 
Torts's ruthless answers um, to media members and going off that, would you ask him a question post-game? Well, Kaylee, I'm celebrating it because I think it's hysterical, <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> only because we're in Chicago and he's in Philadelphia, <laughs> and I'm with you. <laughs> I would not ask Torts a question in a press conference. Now, we're lucky because, you know, we're in a unique situation where we generally are able to approach the coaches in one-on-one -on -one settings. Um, you know, we usually get our own few minutes with the coaches as the broadcast team. So I think in that setting, I actually think John Tortorella is such an intelligent guy. Um, and I think a lot of the things that he does do in the media is because he's trying to take the heat off of his team and make himself the story and not necessarily his team the story. Uh, but I, I would, I'm going to celebrate it, Kaylee. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I guess I'm, you know, I'm conflicted on it as a, as a media member myself. I, I think that there should be a, a degree of professionalism and, and decorum when it comes to interactions between team personnel and, and members of the media. Um, I understand that the questions get repetitive, especially over the course of an 82 game season, but um, you know, the, the, the people in there are just trying to do their jobs ultimately and uh, and without coverage, there's there's certainly not a money making enterprise. Uh, no matter the sport, no matter the product. So I guess I, I'm I'm chirping it a little bit. It does make for great content on Twitter or Instagram, and he's he's in some ways a, a Bill Belichick equivalent of of the NHL in in terms. You know, he's certainly his own personality maybe maybe much more of a personality than Bill Belichick. So much more emotional being, though. Yeah. 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 Totally, totally. But in terms of the what seems to be the viral quality that his press conferences possess, um, it actually calls to mind. So I remember being a, a student broadcaster at the University of Wisconsin, and uh, Bo Ryan was the head basketball coach at the time, and he had a similar similar reputation uh, to Coach Torts, and uh, you know was just hard, could could sometimes give media members a really hard time. And I, I remember I asked him a question after a game as a student journalist, and I truly don't remember what exactly I asked, but he, he, he got, he got into me for asking what he thought was a, was a stupid question. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just like, Hey man, I'm, I'm just trying to get a sound bite but for so my can radio I, show tomorrow. <laughs> like, but, can, but can I ask you a question then, Chris? So he, here's my question. If media members are able to question every decision that a head coach makes, why can't a coach question their question? Like, why can't John Tortorella say that's a dumb question when l likely there's an article coming out that day or the day before with how his defensive structure doesn't work? Or So, like, if media members are able to lay their opinions in, I just don't see a problem with a coach voicing his opinion about a question. Um, you know, I, I really don't like I, I, I do understand it from both sides of the coin, having lived both sides of the coin of of this. Now, I was never somebody who would have responded to a media member like that, even if I did think it was a dumb question, because I was lucky that any media member even wanted to talk to me. Let's be honest. So um, but but I, I, I think it's it's got to go both ways. Like we're quick to only point out one side of it, but there is two sides of it. 
and that, that that's a that's certainly that's certainly a great point. Um, you know, and I, I mean, hey, look, it, it's maybe in a sense refreshing to have that kind of transparency where you know, hey, if it if he thinks it's a dumb question, you know, and look, I think a lot of people also on on both sides of the equation are are professional enough to know that it's a uh, it's not a personal attack no. or anything like that. It's just uh, you know, it's a, it's a passionate and uh, an emotional game. Good, good, uh, good. Yeah, we're so topic, Kaylee. We're so lucky here too. Before I jump into mine, that Luke is so patient and Luke is so oh. articulate. And you know, after games when the Blackhawks lose, Luke is so even keeled. And I said this on the post game show yesterday. Coaches hate losing more than they like winning. They really do. I mean, I, I've I've seen that in, in all the the high level sports I've ever played. You know, Kaylee, I don't know if. If you feel that way, um, I'd be interested to know, like, if you maybe felt that way with some of, like, your lacrosse coaches and, and even your hockey coaches. But, you know, we're just kind of we're, – we're a little spoiled here. We had Derek King last year. Now we have Luke Richardson. These are guys that are incredibly patient and even-keeled. But, like, Torts is fired up. Like, he's an emotional guy. He wears it on his sleeve – um, you know, and, and so I, I just, I don't know, like Kaylee, this is such a good topic that you brought up because I feel like we could <laughs> drown on and on and on about it. Like, I know I, I, I obviously have and can, um, but, but yeah, like, I, I think we're a little lucky here. We're a little spoiled with just how, you know, patient and calm and even keeled Luke is, but that doesn't mean after a game where he didn't like the way that the team played doesn't mean that he's not like fuming on the inside because I, I bet you he is no one in this business likes to lose. So, um, yeah, even but. on Stanley cup championship caliber teams to that degree, like even of course you want to get the two points, but if you don't play the right way in a win, you almost You'd rather take playing the right way. That I mean, it can drive a coach much crazier to win a game in terrible fashion, not defending, doesn't matter what, needed your goalie to bail you out, rather than play a game the right way and maybe don't come up on the winning end of it. Of course, you want the two points, but you're not going to be fuming after the game you were after a 5-4 a, a yeah. win where you had to score three goals and come back. So that's very true. I think Richardson has the patience of a saint. And you have to to go through a rebuild, but you're right. Uh, he hates to lose, and he's he wants to see his group playing the right way. And Kaylee, you probably dealt with that in in Tampa. You know, you were with one of the winningest clubs over the last number of years, and there were games where you guys won, and and Coop was probably really pissed, and and because he wanted it in a certain way. So, all right, I'm sorry. I know I I took us off topic and off tangent. Um, so my celly or chirp is a Chicago sports flavorful one and, and that's Jose Abreu um, you know ever since the baseball playoffs I, I've been so invested in baseball um, all, all around and and seeing Jose Abreu jump ship to go to the evil empire the Houston Astros after spending his whole career in the majors uh, here in Chicago since he came from I, I believe he he came from Cuba um, guy he's 36 years old so he doesn't have too too many years left takes a three-year deal to go to Houston yikes <laughs> I mean Houston is not exactly anybody's favorite team right now got offered a bunch of money after you know a, a, a solid year but his home run percent you know his home run uh, performance was down 
Kaylee, I'm going to go and start with you here on this one. What are we thinking? You grew up in Chicago. I know you've always been a big Chicago sports fan. Um, where are we with this one? Yeah, I feel like I was a bit of a a traitor because I did spend a lot of time in Michigan, but when the Cubs got to the World Series, I was obviously all for it. So very <laughs> exciting. Um, and Actually, Kaylee, too. my it- dad's from the South. If I could just jump in to also when, if yes. I'm not mistaken, when you were in Michigan, the, the Detroit Tigers were actually like really good and kind Very of dominating good, yes. the, the division. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would say I was more of a Tigers fan in that sense, for sure. They were great. Comerica Park's a great place to be right next to Ford Field. The Lions were not so great. Um, so, I, I mean, I'll chirp it because I'd like to be a fly on the wall in those conversations, especially in a sport that I don't cover on how that transpires. You know, a guy that meant so much to the White Sox that played some of his best years here. I, I, you know, I wonder how that conversation kind of unfolds where they, they let him go and he takes a better offer to Houston. So I'll, I'll chirp it. I don't like to see uh, players like that that mean so much to the city leave, you know, it's hard, and, and I thought he was such a well-respected player. Um, I'll chirp it. It's not, it's not my favorite thing. Yeah, look, uh, I think we were on our, on our previous discussion point for Sellies and Chirps, we were talking about emotions in, in the game, and, and sports wouldn't be what they are without that dynamic. So, look, it, Jose Abreu was a beloved sports icon to the city. Uh, White Sox fans in particular, and I, I would even go out on a limb and say that Cubs fans would begrudgingly acknowledge a, a degree of respect for Jose Abreu. Um, you know, so again, I, I don't think you can you can celebrate uh, one of the faces of the franchise leaving after a after a great run. Although, you know, you see so many messy divorces between athletes and their longtime sports teams, that this one seems relatively okay. Um, you know, Colby, you, you you introduced the topic by saying it's not like he's just going to any team. He's going to the Houston Astros, who have adopted the, the evil empire moniker in baseball over the past handful of seasons. But as far as Jose Abreu is concerned, personally, it's a great contract, and he's going to make a lot of money, and he's going to play for a World Series contending team. Um, you know, they, 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 they won the last one fair and square. So, um, I guess from a pragmatic standpoint, I, I celebrate the move, but, but from a, a fan standpoint, you know, it's, uh, it's disappointing. And look, knowing, knowing Chicago sports fans, uh, I don't know though. I, I don't know. Will they boo Jose Abreu when he makes his return to guaranteed rate field? I'll be, I'll be really interesting to interested to hear what the what the response is what what weighs out the disdain for the Astros or the appreciation for the for the career that Jose Abreu had on the south side that will that will be really interesting to see yeah I definitely think that had he have chosen a different team I think that it might have been a softer landing when he comes back um, but based on some of the boos we've heard recently at the United Center I think uh, sh- Chicago fans are are ready to make their voices heard when when certain people are back in their stadiums or buildings. <laughs> well, good discussion points all around, and another great episode of Blackhawks Insider. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening, watching wherever you may be. 
Uh, the Blackhawks are in action on Friday to take on the Winnipeg Jets at the United Center, part of the Blackhawks' home for the holidays portion of the schedule. Lots of great stuff at the United Center right now, especially in the atrium if you're into Christmas decor. It's a really festive atmosphere, and especially with it being a weekend game. Come on out, celebrate the holiday season with us, and take in a Blackhawks game. Uh, once again, more content always available at Blackhawks.com. We thank Brad Dollar and Southside Jake for the music featured on the podcast. We thank our co-contributors, Trevor Bray and Jenna Rose. And a special shout-out goes to one of our producers, Nick Song, a student at Northwestern University. Nick was brought on uh, to the Blackhawks over the fall quarter at Northwestern to uh, to do many things for the Blackhawks, but especially to help us get our podcast off the ground. And he has done a great job of that. This is his final episode of his intern tenure with the Blackhawks. But uh, whatever career Nick chooses to go into, whether it's pro sports or otherwise, we think he'll be a great addition. Again, he was huge in, in us getting this podcast situated, especially from a technical standpoint. So Nick, We'll miss you. We, we certainly hope to see you around and have you back as much as your schedule allows. And thank you very much. We wouldn't, we wouldn't really be doing this without you. That's not an exaggeration. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Round of applause. Nick song. Take a bow. Take a bow. Go Cats. That's right. Kaylee Chelios, fellow Northwestern Wildcat. All right, we're out of time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever holiday you may be celebrating, we celebrate it with you in spirit. We'll be back next week for another episode of Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Have a great week.